It's a back-to-school special on today's episode of Locked On College Basketball. It's a new school year with many colleges and universities back in action this week, so I thought it would be a fun time to look ahead to the new and old matchups that we'll have in the realigned college basketball landscape coming up over the next two academic years. You are Locked On College Basketball, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, what's up? Welcome into Locked On College Basketball Podcast, the only daily national college hoop show out there. I'm your host, Isaac Shade, and I want to thank you for joining us for your first listen or watch of the day. Coming up on today's show, it's like I said off the cold open, what I want to do is look ahead at the college basketball landscape that's kind of changing at the power conference level over each of the next two academic years and look at some of the new matchups and talk about uh, what I'm really looking forward to. It's going to be some hot matchups. Speaking of which, I don't know about you, but where I live right in the middle of the country, it is so blooming hot. It's like five or six straight days of triple digits. I am dying Thank goodness the air conditioning is working. I don't think I will ever leave the house or my office ever. So hopefully you have a nice, cool place to be as well. Anyway, very seriously, I, I personally, I if you've been with us, you know this. I've been sad about all the changing dynamics with the, the landscape moving around with these various conferences. But I, I think my life is ready to start turning a little bit of a corner now. I don't know if it's like the beginning of the new school year or what, but I'm ready to start accepting the new reality. And so with that in mind, I started turning my attention this past weekend to like, man, what matchups am I really excited for in the new landscape? And, and what's, what's that going to look like? And so um, some of that could be this academic year with those four AAC schools joining the Big 12 before Oklahoma and Texas leave, or in 2024-25 when it feels like half of the nation is shifting conferences to one of those years. So that's what we're looking at. My 10 of my favorite new or reestablished matchups that we're going to get in conference now. What I want to hear from you is your matchups. What are you looking forward to? What, what two teams that are together in a conference do you think is going to be a lot of fun? Let me know. Drop it in the comments. So I've divided them up into three groups. We're doing 10 total. In the first segment, I've got four and then three and three. So in this first segment, the four are what I'm calling the long lost lovers quartet. All of these are matchups that are getting back together or a coach squaring off against his old school. So let's start. These are in not in any particular order of like ones that I'm most excited about to least excited about. I just grouped them. And so that's what these first four are is long lost lovers quartet. Number one, Texas and Texas A&M. I think I put this one first because my wife is a Longhorns fan. Uh, one of my best friends is an Aggie. I've got several families who are Aggies. So I get a lot of hook em horns and I get a lot of thumbs up, some gig em and some hook em. I, I get both sides of it. So I love just being right smack dab in the middle of it as a neutral third party observer. I, I kind of laugh because I always felt like when Texas A&M went to the SEC, it was I, I know it wasn't this, but it always felt like they were just trying to get away from Texas and like establish their own identity. And now that they're going to be right back together in the SEC, I think it's just hilarious. But very seriously, I'm excited for these two programs to be back together in the same conference Texas is trending up. 
Um, Chris Beard had it going in the right direction before everything happened with him last season. I feel like Coach Rodney Terry is going to be able to keep that going. They keep getting high-level talent. They're, they've been competing in the Big 12 right up there with, with Kansas lately. And uh, no reason to think, at least on the basketball side, that they won't do that in the SEC as well. Football, that's a whole different conversation. But A&M is projecting to have a really good year. This year, Coach Buzz Williams really feels like he's getting things going for the Aggies, and so very excited to have Texas and Texas A&M back together. The first of our long-lost lovers quartet. Number two, same kind of thing, BYU and Utah. It is so rad. I love getting these two schools back together in the same conference for the first time since the 2010 11 season. It's been just over a decade since they were split up uh, from the Mountain West Conference. Isn't that crazy? It does not feel like that long. But you remember they had been together um, in the Mountain West and in the WAC before that. Um, but then ultimately in the 2011 12 season, BYU went off to the West Coast Conference, like with Gonzaga and St. Mary's and those schools, while Utah went off to, frankly, higher prestige of the Pac 12. But now fate has brought these two uh, prestigious schools from the state of Utah back together. Um, BYU, as you know, is joining the Big 12 right now, and then Utah will do that along with Colorado and the Arizona schools in the 24-25 season. So we won't get this matchup next year, but we will start getting them again in 24-25. I'm so excited for that. Great, great, great stuff for college basketball. <laughs> Number three, in our long-lost lovers quartet of the matchups I'm most looking forward to in college basketball as teams get together. You, you might not think about this one, but Missouri and Oklahoma in the SEC starting, not this year, but next year. Now, you, you might not realize this, but dating back to the 1949-50 season, that's as far back as um, the college basketball reference database goes on this. But Missouri and Oklahoma have played 143 times in that span. Span That's tied for the fifth most common opponent for Mizzou and is the fifth most common or the fifth most opponent, common opponent for the Sooners. So these two teams have scored off so many times against each other. And what's really neat on top of not maybe not realizing that they're so high on how many times they've played each other. It's been a really tight series. Oklahoma leads the way with 76 wins, but Mizzou has 67. So they're within 10 wins of each other. And it's kind of close to, you know, how ESPN's always showing those graphics during the North Carolina Duke matchups where it's like how many points they've each scored the last hundred times, that kind of thing. Same, same is true here in, in those 143 meetings dating back to 4950, Oklahoma has scored 10,471 points, Mizzou 10,431 points. A difference of just 40. That's wild to think that over like essentially seven decades of playing, they have scored within 40 points of each other in total. So just like BYU and Utah and Texas and Texas A&M, I love getting these schools back together. Now, one more in our quartet of long lost lovers. This one also involves Oklahoma, but for this year and this year only. Why? Because with Houston coming into the Big 12, we now get Houston and Oklahoma, meaning Kelvin Sampson will be facing off against his former team, the Oklahoma Sooners. Again, 
only one year of it. And sadly, we, we don't have dates and times for the conference matchups, but we do have the scheduling matrix. And so these two teams will only play once and it's going to be in Norman. And so no home and home for Houston and Oklahoma, but Hey, we'll get it at least once. And if it had to be one way, I love that it's Kelvin Sampson going back to Oklahoma um, in, as Houston comes into the big 12. So Let's look back at Coach Sampson's kind of coaching tenure with both of these schools. It's it's pretty similar. He was at Oklahoma from the 94-95 season through the 05-06 seasons. That's 12 total years. Had a record of 280 and 108. That's a winning percentage of 72.2. Yeah, I'll take that, especially at Oklahoma, right? Uh, made one Final Four, one Elite Eight, won three conference tournaments, and one regular season championship. At Houston, again, pretty similar stuff. Been there not quite as long since the 2014-15 season, so he's had nine thus far. In that time, has a slightly better winning percentage than he did at Oklahoma, 232 and 74 overall, a uh, 75.8 winning percentage. Now, keep in mind, Houston being in the AAC is a little bit different than the Big 12 when it comes to that, so just understand that. But... In those nine seasons so far at Houston, he's made five NCAA tournaments. Of course, there's only been eight NCAA tournaments in that time. And the only three years he missed were the first three. It was like no postseason and then NIT, NIT. And he's been in the NCAA tournament every year since. One Final Four, one Elite Eight, two Sweet Sixteens, um, one season where he won both the conference regular season and conference tournament, one other conference tournament championship, and three other regular season championships. Kelvin Sampson has dominated while he's at Houston and really excited for him to get at least one matchup against his former school in the same conference. So there you go, folks, my quartet of long lost lovers. Again, Texas and Texas A&M, BYU and Utah, Missouri and Oklahoma, and then Houston and Oklahoma. Next up, we've got a trio of matchups I'm looking forward to. And this is my good for college basketball trio is what I'm calling that. Who are they? What are those matchups? We'll look at it in just a second. But first, I need to tell you about our brand new sponsor, BetterHelp. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Sometimes you're at a fork in the road and the right path just isn't clear. Whether you're dealing with decisions around career or relationships or anything else at all, therapy helps you stay connected to what you really want while you navigate life so that you can move forward with confidence and excitement. Therapy is helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It's not just for those who've experienced major life trauma that they have to work through. So if you're starting of thinking therapy, let me encourage you to give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. So let therapy be your map with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash lockedoncollege today to get 10% off your first month. Once again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash lockedoncollege. I want to thank you once again for making Locked On College Basketball your first listen or watch of the day. It's great to be together. You every day are so glad that you are going to be here or that you are here. Coming up on tomorrow's show, I'm going to have a conversation with Candace Cooper, who's the host of Locked On ACC, just to get some more thoughts from her about uh, the ACC and realignment. And also, she was at the recent Under Armour Elite 24, and she's got some thoughts to share with us from that. But for now, we want to keep on rolling with 
my top 10 matchups that I'm looking forward to after all the realignment has happened. We're moving from my long lost lovers quartet into my good for college basketball trio. And that starts, it's been like a Kelvin Sampson parade right now, but with Houston and it's Houston and Kansas. And here's why I've paired those two together. Because Kansas has dominated the Big 12 for quite some time. Houston has been dominating the AAC lately. Well, it's no surprise because Bill Self and Kelvin Sampson are like unquestionably two of the top couple coaches in all of Division I college basketball right now. If you talk to, to insiders or other coaches, you're going to hear those names come out. And so to have them in the same conference is fantastic. It's great for college basketball to have two of, of the best coaches in the game in coaching against each other annually right now. Part of the reason for that is that as we've lost guys like Jay Wright and Mike Krzyzewski and Roy Williams, etc., we need new, new top coaches to rise to the top and, and be the faces and voices of this sport. And in the same way that Mike Krzyzewski and Roy Williams were really good for each other in that way. I think Bill Self and Kelvin Sampson can be really good for each other in that way too. Now you've got some others, you know, you think about like a Tom Izzo, Mick Corona, you know, some of these other bigger names, but man, I, I just love Bill Self and Kelvin Sampson facing off every year. And I legitimately think, you know, we when a player transfers from a mid-major or a low-major up kind of a level in conference or competition, we worry about how they'll do. Perhaps the same is true. We look at these AAC schools and how are they going to do moving from the AAC to the Big 12 this year? And as a reminder, along with Houston, that's Cincinnati, BYU, and UCF. I don't, Houston's not going to have any problem. They're right there with the elite college basketball teams in the nation. And I legitimately think that Houston is going to be a strong foil to the Jayhawks' string of absolute conference dominance. I, I think it's going to force Kansas to just keep upping their game, but I, I just don't think that you'll see Kansas dominate the conference at the same level they have. Now, part of that's because one year later, Arizona's coming in too, but um, Houston and Kansas, I love this matchup. Oh, and by the way, they play a home and home in this first season with Houston in the Big 12. That is good for college basketball and part of why they're one of my three good for college basketball trio right here. The next, staying in the Big 12, but Moving ahead a year, we just I just mentioned Arizona. The matchup I'm looking forward to in a big way is Arizona and Baylor. And here's why. One of the knocks on college basketball versus like NBA is that the players aren't as good. Well, of course not. They're not, you know, <laughs> I guess they're becoming more professionalized with NIL, but they are not professionals in the purest sense of the word. They are still technically student athletes, right? who just get paid a bit more now. But one of the knocks is that because they're not as good, scoring isn't as high, and so it's not as fun to watch. Now, I, I, I'm i okay with that. I love some of the, the nuance of college basketball where you got different defenses and different teams doing different things. But why I love Arizona and Baylor being in the same conference is the sheer offensive firepower we're going to get from Tommy Lloyd's team and Scott Drew's team. Because Arizona, since Tommy Lloyd has come down from Gonzaga to take over the reins, they have been an offensive juggernaut, and as has Baylor. 
in that time as well. So when these two teams square off for me, it's like first team to 8 million points wins. That's what we're watching. Let me back it up with some statistics for you. Let's look at Ken Palm in the past two seasons. And I'm just using that because that's since Tommy Lloyd has been at Arizona. The both of these teams have been top 10 in offensive efficiency. Both of those years last year, 2022, 23, Baylor finished the year second in the nation in adjusted offense at Ken Palm. Arizona was 10th the year before that, 2021-22. Arizona was 7th. Baylor was 8th. That's what we're going to see from these teams year in and year out. And there's obviously others in, in the Big 12 that are going to bring that kind of high level as well. But with Arizona and Baylor, it's not just about scoring a ton of points. They're going to be competing at or near the top of the Big 12, I expect, basically perennially, along with Houston and Kansas and Texas. You know, gosh, the Big 12 is so loaded now. Holy smokes. I mean, you just think about it. Just think about those five schools I just mentioned. Kansas, Houston, Arizona, Baylor, Texas. Even if those are your top five teams, one of them has to finish fifth. <laughs> it's going to be silly and I can't wait for it. And then third in my good for college basketball trio. While the, the first two of those were a little more like right now, the third in my good for college basketball trio is, is a nod to history. And here's what I mean. UCLA and Indiana being in the big 10 together. And here's why the blue blood conversation. Now I know, and, and this is not the moment to have this conversation. I know there's the, are both of these still blue bloods crowd out there? And I'm willing to entertain that conversation. Although I think both schools are headed in a right direction, Mick, UCLA under Mick Cronin and Indiana under Mike Woods. And I'm excited about that. But for now, I just want to set aside that conversation and, and talk about the history of these blue bloods and what bringing UCLA and Indiana in together into the same conference does for this sport. This will be the highest combination of NCAA national championships for two teams in any one conference in division one period. End of story. That's UCLA and Indiana. When you bring them together, if that doesn't make sense, what I'm saying, let me explain it a little more. There are six teams in division one that have won five or more NCAA championships. UCLA and Indiana are two of those. There's four others. Who are they? Duke, North Carolina, Kentucky, obviously, and now uh, UConn joining that list as well. Well, of those other four, yes, there are two that are in a conference together, obviously Duke and North Carolina, but combined, they have 11 NCAA championships. UCLA, as you'll remember, has 11 by themselves. When you add Indiana's five, that's 16. No other combination of two schools in Division I could give you 16 NCAA championships that are in the same conference. I should let me, let me clarify that. Obviously, like if UCLA and Kentucky were in the same conference, it would be more. It'd be 19 championships. But when UCLA joins the Big Ten, it will be the highest um, combined NCAA championships for two schools in the same conference, UCLA and Indiana. No other conference will have that. Plus, I just love the history of what will happen with that. Think about Indiana walking into Poly Pavilion. Think about UCLA walking into Assembly Hall. Like just, just the history of that. It's like, I, I would almost think about it like the Red Sox going to Wrigley or the Cubbies going to Fenway, right? It's like, to me, 
And as a lover of college basketball, like it's got that kind of history to it. And so I'm so excited for that matchup. Epic. I love to see UCLA and Indiana in the same conference. As weird as it is, I'm going to just own it and grasp it and just think about what history we get from that. All right. So we've had the long lost lovers quartet, the good for basketball trio. And I've got one more trio for you to round off my 10 matchups that I'm looking forward to in our brand new conferences realigned that start in 2024-25. And I'm calling this one the Funhouse Trio. It's a little bit off the wall, a little bit tongue-in-cheek. You'll see what I mean in just a second. But first, I need to tell you that this episode of Locked on College Basketball is brought to you by FanDuel. Hey, football season is just about to kick off and FanDuel is giving you the chance to win all season long. Because right now, when you go ahead and bet on a Super Bowl winner, you can get bonus bets every time that team wins in the regular season. Just pick any team to win the Super Bowl and you'll get bonus bets back for every victory that they have. So if it's me and I'm choosing, I'm going with the Chiefs because that's sustained excellence right now. And then when you get those bonus bets, you can use them on all sorts of stuff, spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and start earning bonus bets with America's number one sportsbook. Once again, that's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. All right, wrapping it up, we got three more left of my fun house trio. This has been such a fun exercise. Once again, would love to hear your matchups that you're most looking forward to in the new realigned conferences that'll happen in 24-25. All right. Again, these ones are a little bit zany, a little off the wall, but I just want to have a little fun with this to wrap it up. All right. Here's my next one. You ready for this? You, there's no way you're expecting this one. It's in the big 10 Rutgers and Oregon. Yeah, that's off the wall. What? Why on earth, Isaac shade, would you put Rutgers and Oregon in your list of your favorite new matchups? Well, it's precisely because of the absolute absurdity of this matchup. Now, if I've done my navigating skills correctly, and I think I have, because I sat around with the, the Maps app earlier today and walked through this. This Rutgers and Oregon is the longest distance of travel in the New Look Power Conferences, and specifically in this case, the Big Ten or Big 18, whatever we're going to end up calling it. So what I did was I looked at, yeah, I actually sat down and did all this. From arena to arena, what is the longest distance in what is now coast-to-coast conferences. Now, there were a couple that were close in the Big Ten, but they did not match Rutgers and Oregon. So, from Jersey Mike's Arena, where Rutgers plays, to Poly Pavilion, where UCLA plays, 2,783 miles. That's absurd, right? It ain't the longest. In fact, it's the fourth. Rutgers to USC, the Galen Center. 2,773 miles. So just a little bit less than UCLA. And I just did this like driving direction. So it's not as the crow flies. Next, Rutgers, Jersey Mike's Arena to Alaska Airlines Arena where Washington plays. Getting up a little bit, 2,867 miles. Still not the longest. The longest. Jersey Mike's Arena to the Matthew Knight Arena where Oregon plays. The grand winner just 36 miles shy of 3,000. Yes, that's right. The distance from Jersey Mike's to Matthew Knight is 2,964 miles for a college athletics endeavor. 
what on earth are we doing? But there it is. Just to just to like make it even more contextualized, the distance to travel from Rutgers to Oregon is longer than the distance from Los Angeles to Honolulu, which is 2,560 miles. It's longer than the southernmost point of the eastern side of the United States. So there's a buoy in Key West, Florida. Yeah, I looked all this up. Absolutely, I did, because I'm that level of eccentric. There's a buoy, the southernmost tip of Florida, in the Keys. This is down in Key West, off the tip, that goes, and if you took that, started driving, went all the way to Estcourt, Maine, which is like the northernmost point of Maine. It is still shorter than this distance, just 2,072 miles to drive the entire eastern seaboard of the United States. The distance from Rutgers to Oregon is longer than the entire width of the continent of Australia, which is 2,500 miles from tip to tip, as the, that one is as the crow flies. Are you kidding me? That's how long we're going. What about Route 66? Nope, longer than that too. 2,448 miles on Route 66. That's what we're doing. So that's one of my favorite matchups in the reimagined conferences, Rutgers and Oregon, because of the absurdity. All right, again, I told you these were tongue-in-cheek. Here is my next one in the Funhouse Trio. This is the Big Ten, and it's Michigan State and UCLA. Now, why this one? I'll tell you. It's because it's one of my favorite hilarious things in college basketball right now is the drought of these two conferences. And if you're if you're a member of the Big Ten or Pac-12, you probably don't think it's as hilarious as I do, but I'm a neutral third-party observer, so I'm allowed to laugh at it. So the last time the Big Ten won a national championship, 2000, it was Michigan State. The last time the Pac-12 won a national championship, 1997, it was Arizona. But two seasons before that, <clears throat> UCLA won it in 1995. So, uh, you know, the, th- the three most recent people to help put stave off an even longer draft drought, excuse me, Michigan State, UCLA, and Arizona. But the Wildcats are headed off to the Big 12. So I want to look at the Spartans and the Bruins, Michigan State, and UCLA. So assuming that the Pac-12 doesn't somehow miraculously get a national championship on its way out this year, which it could, who knows? And how funny would that be? As it closes its doors, it breaks uh, a drought going back to 1997. Or also assuming the Big Ten doesn't get one this year, which it uh, honestly even more likely could because Michigan State and, and Purdue are just right there at the top of things. But if that doesn't happen, when we get Michigan State and UCLA starting to square off, it's going to be a matchup of what I think would be the two most likely teams to end this drought. The funny thing is, though, a former Pac-12, now Big Ten school, and a current and always big, or, you know, as for a long time, Big Ten school, are the ones trying to end the drought for the Big Ten, while the Pac-12 drought is just going to live on, because unless the Pac-12 rescues itself, that's done. Even more hilarious, how funny would it be if UCLA was the school to come to the pack to the Big Ten, excuse me, and be the school to end the Big Ten's drought. A team from the other drought conference being the 10 team to end your drought. So Michigan State, UCLA, I love it. But I also love it in a more serious reason because I think that Tom Izzo and Mick Cronin 
our man just doing it at the the top of college basketball and uh, excited for them to be able to square off. I think there will be, you'll see a lot of master moves between these two schools, uh, but they just, there are two schools that always seem to find a way or two coaches, I should say that always seem to find a way to get it done. Um, Michigan state, you know, Izzo's just always right there in March. Mick Cronin was like what the eighth choice for the UCLA job. And he's had them rolling in a really good way since he got there. And so uh, excited for that matchup. All right. One more, the 10th matchup in, uh, in my uh, matchups that I'm looking most forward to in the conference realignments in a couple of seasons. And the third in our Funhouse trio is Texas and Tennessee. The battle of the weird oranges is what I'm calling it. But so it's that tongue in cheek reason, but for a basketball reason, I'm going to love this matchup. Uh, of Rick Barnes team and, and Rodney Terry's team because they're both <clears throat> been very strong defensive teams in particularly the last couple years. Looking at Ken Palm defensive efficiency, the last three years, Tennessee has been first, third, and fifth. Texas has even more sustained, although not quite as elite. Going back to 2015, Texas has been top 40 in Ken Palm defensive efficiency every season going back to 2015, including four top 15 finishes in that span. And so I'm really excited. It's going to be painful for our eyes to watch these two oranges go off, go up against each other. And it it could be a fun defensive battle, although hopefully they'll score some points. We'll see. But I, I'm excited, really excited for Texas and Tennessee to square off. What a fun back-to-school episode special this is of Locked On College Basketball. I hope you have enjoyed it as much as I did preparing for it and talking about it. And once again, I would love to know what matchups you're looking forward to. Where do you agree with me? What are some other ones you're looking forward to that maybe I didn't mention? That's it for today's episode, though. Can't wait to be back with you tomorrow. Once again, it'll be with Candace Cooper, the host of Locked On ACC. You can follow the show on Twitter at LockedOnCBB. You can follow me at Isaac Shade. Also, please make sure to subscribe to the show. Smash the like button if you're watching on YouTube. And again, leave your comments. Hey, as always, apologies to the lawyer family. Let's go Wildcats. And until tomorrow, peace.